confused. Is this dial a prayer? Well, should I call back when the Reverend's in the office, or what? Welcome to 200 a Day, the podcast where we talk about the 70s television detective show, The Rockford Files. I'm Nathan Paletta. And I'm Epidiah Ravishaw. And before we get into this week's episode, we have a, a blinking light on our answering machine. So we're going to oh. see, uh, we'll see who's left some messages for us uh, real quick. Who's looking to buy the goat? Mm-hmm. Please, please, someone take this goat. <laughs> So our first note here is from Patreon, where patron and friend of the show, Sam, uh, commented about our recent episode on the movie, on the 90s movie, Friends and Foul Play. Uh, We mentioned there's a line in there where Beth, in her brief but aggressively good (laughs) appearance, tells tells Jim to uh, stock up on Twinkies or something to that effect. Yeah. And we were like, we don't know why she said that. Um, So Sam says best line about Twinkies rang a bell. I think it is almost certainly a reference to the Twinkie defense. And he links to the uh, Twinkie defense entry on Wikipedia, which uh, I'll put in the show notes. Do you know what that, what this is, what this is referring to? Actually, I, Sam, I I was like, didn't we talk about this? But we didn't. Sam and I talked about this. Okay. Uh, And it's, it it was like, I don't want to, I don't want to mischaracterize it, but the person was, um, so it's it's a reference to a the, to a real case. Uh, mm-hmm. It's the trial of a guy who shot Harvey Milk, right, in San Francisco in the eighties. Oh boy, I guess I could bring up the page to yeah, find out the information. Mm-hmm. Anyway, this is not a thing that actually has any legal standing, but it's this. There's a cultural concept. Seventies in the seventies. Um, he was basically he was like crazed from an overabundance of like sugar and he had he was in poor health and that contributed to his mental state um i i mean i've heard the phrase i didn't really connect it with anything in real life but uh recently and by recently i mean sometime within the last year because what is time um there's a podcast that that i listened to that went in a, did a deep dive on this and it was super mm. interesting talking about the actual circumstances of the case as well as the kind of cultural attachment like the i don't know the meme right. the meme status of the the, yeah, you know, the yeah. tweaky defense it's an episode of a podcast called maintenance phase I heard it as a cross post on a podcast called You're Wrong About because uh, they share a host. <laughs> right. And, uh, uh, you know, both both recommends. I'll put the link to the actual um, episode in the show notes. It's It was more about like he was depressed and was eating a lot of Twinkies was evidence that he was depressed rather yeah, than. Yeah, yes. Yeah. I'm sorry. The sugar thing is like part of the meme that. Entered. Yeah, the myth that comes out. It's like the the um, McDonald's coffee. Mm hmm thing like when you learn the true horrific facts behind that you're like well yeah of course you should have sued and should have ended mcdonald's <laughs> at that time also a good episode of you're wrong about about that so. oh well so they they beat me to all these punches there you go oh well, <laughs> that's kind of what their their whole deal is um, yeah yeah but yeah so that does make sense uh in context with the movie <laughs> yes <laughs> he's gonna need something for his uh you know some some basis for defense eat a lot of twinkies it'll be evidence that you're depressed <laughs> which is a sad commentary on the eating of junk food i suppose and we have one other question concerning the movies uh that was asked uh, a couple times in various places but uh where can one watch the rockford files 90s movies 
Yeah. Where, Nathan, can <laughs> one watch the Rockford Files 90s movies? Well, they do not appear to be on any streaming service. Uh, I did a slightly deeper dive check just to see if there are any obscure mm-hmm. ones that it, that they had popped up on. Um, but yeah, as far as I know, they're basically only available on DVD. So, and that's how we've watched them. We both, pay, thanks to the patrons of the show, we have invested in physical media uh, in order to do the, do, do the podcast. So we both have the DVD sets. There are two sets. Each one is four movies, the first mm-hmm. four and the second four. Um, and, you know, depending on internet weather, they can run anywhere from high teens to low 30s of dollars, um, you know, depending on the sellers and, and everything. But they're generally available on Amazon for something in the in the tens of dollars. When we went to DVD, we detached ourselves from an understanding of of how to watch the Rockford Files. Mm-hmm. Like when we started, only some episodes were available. No, all of them were available. But then Yes. So to the best of my recollection, a brief history mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. the streaming status of the Rockford Files. So when I started watching the show upon your recommendation, mm-hmm. the entire series was available on Netflix and I watched through the fifth season. Uh I did not get I did not finish the sixth season in that initial watch. Um, I've never seen the last episode because I'm saving that for the podcast. And I think Mm -hmm. there's one other one in the sixth season that I haven't seen. Anyway, by the time we decided to do the show, only the first three seasons were streaming. I believe they were on Hulu. Does that sound right? Yeah, yeah. So they come off of Netflix. They've gone to Hulu and it's only seasons one, two, and three. So our first like year of the show, we only did episodes from those three seasons so that people could watch them. Right. Um, And then we invested in the DVD sets. Uh, Technically, I have the Blu-ray set, which just means that they're louder as far as I can tell. I think the visual quality (laughs) is basically the same. So then they left Hulu and there was a period of time where they weren't available streaming at all. And then IMDb TV started. Mm-hmm. which is an amazon thing amazon yeah so they were on that and then once peacock started they recalled a lot of this a lot of these old shows a lot of these nbc universal shows for peacock to fill out their library so the rockford files is now available all, all six seasons are on peacock i don't recall if they're still on imdb tv or not if so they're probably also on prime but the movies are not streaming anywhere. You know what? I bet you we always have an IMDb open. Right. It's not suggesting that I watch it on IMDb TV. So I'm guessing it's not on it then. Yeah, because usually there's a little box or ban. Oh, no. Mine says watch free on IMDb Oh, yeah, TV. there it is. I just wasn't looking in the right spot. Oh, and now it wants me to rate the Becker connection. Uh, me too. Well, we'll get to that at the end of the show. Well, I'm going to give it 10 out of 10. <laughs> Um, okay, so yes. Oh, no, I don't want to make an account. <laughs> Sorry. I believe as long as you have an Amazon, if you're logged into your Amazon account, because mine just started playing when I clicked on the link. So yeah, I guess yeah. they're also so there available on IMDb TV, which is Amazon. So there you go. Wow, it keeps asking me to rate this episode. What is going <laughs> on? So that's that's the long and short of it. I, I think if uh, at some point, I mean, we were talking about this in our plus expenses about how mm. the curation of of this sort of stuff is it's it's starting to disappear so eventually all we'll be left with is the echoes that, that is our podcast right of right. the rockford files the the memory of the rockford files will be 
I mean, we could have just invented a 70s detective TV show. Mm, this whole thing could be one long creative writing ex- exercise. Yeah, yeah. Just us just improving our, our uh, enjoyment thereof. And I'm not saying we didn't. I know. Who's to say? Who's to say? Well, thank you, everyone, for uh, your <laughs> leaving some some messages on our answering machine. Uh, we kind of collect them over over time and then do these every every so often when we have a couple to do all at once so uh if you sent us something and don't hear it for a while that's just because we're waiting for a couple more to come in don't worry we saw it yeah and we're happy that you had something to say uh yeah and our recording is a little out of sync with real time so (laughs) so who knows who knows when this one Mm -hmm. who knows when you'll hear this these these searing insights (laughs) could be anytime should we proceed to the episode itself? I believe we should. And uh, this one is an epi pick. Yeah. So this is uh, season. I've got to go back and rate it now. <laughs> uh, season three, episode 16, The Becker Connection. And I am not going to lie. I probably chose it just because Becker is in the. I've been <laughs> I've been craving uh, some of the uh, core cast. And quite a few of them make appearance in this in this episode, so that was nice. Uh, but I had a vague recollection of this episode, and I wanted to make sure because at the time going into it, I thought, is my recollection of this episode, or am I thinking of the um, the four pound brick? I think is what we figured we were both kind of remembering. There was the one, the um, the the other one where he helps Becker out. Because he buys into the oh, that's the Farnsworth. That's the Farnsworth stratagem. Yeah, the Farnsworth stratagem. Uh, and um, so uh, I wanted to give us, and also, I mean, it's got Dennis's face right there, <laughs> right on the IMDb. Yeah, so the smack dab in the middle of season three. Uh, yeah, this is in a good string of episodes. This comes in between um, the trees, the bees, and TT flowers. Yeah, Carter. And then the episode after this one was just another Polish wedding. So if you're watching in January, February 77, you have a good, good month of Rockford Files uh, (laughs) to enjoy, which I guess, you know, tips, tips my hand um, to, uh, I think this is a good episode. (laughs) Yeah, I I quite enjoyed this episode too. Um, So this one is uh, directed by Reza Barayi, who we have seen before in a couple episodes. Um, we're about halfway through his Rockford work. He is one of the most prolific TV directors. Uh, I believe the stat is that he has over 430 episodes of television wow. uh, to his credit as a director, in addition to some movies and stuff. Uh, and he also was instrumental in opening sequences, including the iconic Hawaii Five O surf uh-huh. wave thing. <laughs> when we finish out the... Uh, the the baddie cycle will I'll, I'll see if there's anything else fun to to talk about with him but um so far his episodes have been good and fun yeah i, I was just <laughs> scrolling through his massive <laughs> catalog here trying to find the rock profiles and just seeing which ones he he did uh the writing credits on this one is that is a story by Chaz floyd johnson who's the the executive producer i believe of the show um i believe we talked about him when we did foul on the first play Ah. um unless we talked about him when he when we did the deep blue sleep because he uh he did the story on those as well anyway one of those episodes we went more into into him and some interesting um 
stuff about his his history and how he ended up on the show. Uh, there was one more episode where he contributed the story um, in the next season. But yeah, so the credits are story by Chaz Floyd Johnson and Ted Harris. Ted Harris has exactly one other writing credit, which is a single episode of the 1994 RoboCop TV series. <laughs> And no other information that I could find. <laughs> and the teleplay is by Juanita Bartlett. Yay! Which uh, is great because this is a very... This is a good character yeah. plot blend. And uh, we get to see a lot of good Jim and Dennis and Jim and Angel mm-hmm. interaction. And that's all good, solid Some Rockford fairly, stuff. Really dramatic Jim and Peggy... Or not Jim and Peggy... Uh, Dennis and Peggy mm, stuff mm-hmm. too, which is I thought was very well done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll we'll get to that pretty quick. Yeah. So in order to get us to that, let's uh, go ahead and talk about our preview montage. All right. Well, uh, my preview montage is Dennis Angel, stand-up comedian, stand-up comedian Chapman. Yes, I just want <laughs> all that. Thank you very much. Uh, I do have a note here where I was like, whoa, there's going to be a chase beneath a pier and a gunshot. Mm-hmm. It's not beneath a pier, as we'll we'll learn. Did you have the same? I did. Yeah. Um, I was like, oh, that's clearly a pier. <laughs> yeah, right. That's. But um, uh, I guess I'm just accustomed to TV. The only times I've ever seen anyone under a pier are in a movie or on TV. So, yeah, I don't <laughs> I don't believe they exist otherwise. But uh, yeah. Uh, pretty straightforward we we go into it clearly knowing that becker's being framed for right whatever is going on there's no ambiguity there yeah there's a little bit of ambiguity about some of his behavior right and that'll show up in the episode yeah short and sweet and then uh, we get into it it's time to appreciate our patrons over at patreon.com slash 200 a day thanks to you we're a 100 percent listener supported show why become a patron for as little as $1 an episode? In addition to keeping us going and exclusive episode previews, our patrons get plus expenses, a bonus podcast, where we casually chat about the media we're enjoying and the things going on in our lives. We extend special thanks to our gumshoe patrons supporting this episode. Dale Norwood wrote a book, Trading Freedom, How Trade with China Defined Early America. is about fast ships, cheap drugs, and American political economy. Published by the University of Chicago Press, find it wherever good books are sold. Chuck from whatyoureading.com, Paul Townend, who also recommends the podcast Fruit Loops, Serial Killers of Color at fruitloopspod.com, Shane Liebling, check out rollforyear.party for all of your online dice rolling needs, Jay Adon, check out his amazing miniature painting skills over at jayadon.com, Dave P., Dave Otterson, Kip Hawley, Matthew Lee, and Jay Thompson. And finally, we can't thank our detective patrons enough for their generous support of the show. Eric Antenor, at Antenor on Twitter. Brian Pereira, at Thermoware. Bill Anderson, at BillAnd88. And of course, Richard Haddam, at Richard Haddam. We follow them too, at 200pod. Rate and review wherever you get your podcasts. Tell a friend who you think would like it. And check out patreon.com slash 200 a day to see if becoming a patron is right for you. We start our episode off at Casa Becker, um, mm-hmm. Dennis and Peggy's house, where there's a big group of people setting things up for a surprise birthday party for Dennis. Yeah. Um, Jim is there, of course, and an array of other uh, friends. We do see in a couple of shots that Billings is there in street clothes, which <laughs> I really appreciated. 
I guess he has a couple days off. I don't know. Yeah. Peggy is worried that they're going to run out of food, which uh, she's quickly reassured, I think, by Jim that um, everything's going to be fine. There's a a fun dynamic here that starts right off the bat with um, Peggy and Jim, where uh, it's just I really enjoy the way he's supporting her throughout this. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and obviously it's going to become more and more important as this goes on. But yeah. We pretty much see this whenever Peggy's in an episode, but Jim is friends with Peggy just as he's friends with Becker. Yeah, yeah. Or with Dennis, I should say. Like, in the way that when, you know, sure, you have like a, I guess like a primary friend, right? Like, whoever you have a pre-existing relationship with and then you meet their spouse or something, and then you become friends with them as well. Yeah. So you have a different relationship, but... Um, it's still, you know, warm and friendly. And I think that is reflected in their dynamic really well, which is a testament to the character of Peggy mm-hmm. and Pat Finley, who plays her. Of course, we all know that this isn't going to go how everyone wants. <laughs> um, everyone hides as Dennis arrives and then the phone rings right as he walks in. He's in his gym clothes. Uh, he answers the phone. He's being told he has to come to the station you know, right away and he clearly is not happy to hear this, but, you know, it's his job. It's what he's going to do. He says that he'll get dressed uh, and he'll be right there. He throws his bag down to the ground and then surprise. <laughs> great. Just great reaction from uh, yeah. from Dennis. He's like his downtrodden look is is magnificent. There's a lot of ways this could go, but the way he plays it is just uh, just perfect. Dennis just. Yeah. 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 We see him being super not happy about this. Yes. (laughs) But like stifling that because he knows that he shouldn't like that everyone means well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And he, you know, he he says that I'm sorry, but I have to get back to the station. You all have a good time. I should be back soon. He goes upstairs to change. Uh, Peggy tells everyone to eat and goes to follow him. And uh, this is a just a wonderful moment of Peggy and Dennis. So, like, he's mad, and he can be mad at Peggy, right? Yeah, yeah, like, he's, the pressure of the crowd isn't there. It's not that he's mad at Peggy, it's just that he, I mean, he is, but it's that he's in a situation where he can let his guard down enough to be mad. Yeah, and yeah, that's, he can express that's, his anger. Yeah. Peggy, you know, doesn't want him to be upset, obviously. Yeah. And they have an exchange where he says that, I hate surprise parties, and she says, yeah. and you know that, and she says that she didn't know that. And I'm like, I bet. This is something that has never come up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but once she acknowledges that, you know, sure, okay, maybe that was a mistake, he continues to find things to be mad about. Yeah. And she just like shuts down every single one. And how much is it going to cost? Lasagna is not exactly a budget breaker. Well, what are they going to do? Wash it all down with tap water? What about drinks? Everybody brought their own. That's great. That's really great. You know what that makes me look like? I'd tell you what you look like, Dennis, but it's your birthday. It's just, it's great. Every step of the way, he's looking for something to be angry about. But Peggy isn't going to put up with his crap. Right, yeah, yeah. She's, she's, even, uh... Even if she technically made an oopsie. Yeah. <laughs> when they go up, it, there's also this lovely bit where when they go up where Jim just sort of takes over hosting duties. Mm-hmm, yeah. Like just, all right, everyone let's, you know, like, and um, I dig that. That's yeah. good stuff. Both because he is our main character and because uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. we get the sense that he's, he, he's probably the closest 
friend. Um, so uh, downstairs, there's there's big awkward energy uh, as everyone makes stilted small talk. Lots of compliments on the lasagna. Once Peggy comes back down, and then Becker comes back down, he apologizes, mm-hmm. but he does need to go talk to the talk to the captain. But he should be back. Then we see that he goes outside, but his engines flooded. <laughs> <laughs> he can't get his car to turn on. Uh, Jim goes to talk to him, offers him a little help, uh, or uh, asks him if he you know needs a little help. And Dennis replies, "Yeah, you want to finance a new car?" <laughs> he does ask Jim for a lift, and Jim, of course, is more than happy to uh, to oblige. So we get the title of the Becker connection over them as as they walk, and then we cut to a racetrack. Of and course, we get the rest of our uh, <laughs> credits over footage of these cars racing on this track. This scene introduces us to our villains, who we then will not see for a while. Yay. <laughs> Marty, who is a kind of smooth-talking, not even smooth, but kind of a glad-handing kind of yeah. guy, uh, who is coming in to see uh, Alex Kasagian. Um, there's a group of guys. He's he's clearly the boss. <laughs> he's mm-hmm. the big guy. I at first referred to Marty as the guy wearing plaid but then when he got right, into, a, both. into a two <laughs> shot i was like oh they're both wearing plaid they're just very different plaids <laughs> but uh yeah uh, uh kasajian is not happy to see him it says he's not ever supposed to come around without an official invite marty says that he did what you asked uh, but the boss uh very um clearly explains that he doesn't need people to tell him that they did what he asked. That's why he bought them. He specifically says, why well, I bought you and I bought the cop. If you yeah. don't do what you're asked, then they have something to talk about. <laughs> this is a good threat. Yeah. I definitely thought that the race car stuff was going to be Me too. relevant at some point. But uh, other than as a, pe- a setting piece, it's uh, there's no more. There's no uh, drag racing or anything of the of that nature. It was an interesting cut because it's, you know, Jim and Dennis get in the car and then we're off to the races. <laughs> and then they're, they're not. Um, yeah, I thought the same thing. The uh, Marty here is is exactly who you would expect him to be. His name, uh, I didn't, uh, is Marty Golden. Mm-hmm. And it just, he is, a, oh, he's a perfectly named character is what I'm saying. <laughs> I don't know any Marty Goldman's in real life or Golden. Yeah. Mar- I don't know Marty Golden's in real life, but this is just. Uh, who he is and very eager to please. I think as we know from the preview montage, he is the uh, washed up comedian that we are going to yeah. see, see Jim talking to later. The angel's going to heckle. Yes, that angel's going to heckle. I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> um, all right, down at the station, we get into the, the, the meat of our plot here. Becker's brought in to Chapman's office where he's also being faced with two guys from Internal Affairs and Captain O'Reilly. <laughs> something important is happening uh there's a whole recording setup this is so this is good snappy dialogue um a lot of this episode from the perspective that we're that we get from becker we get a good kind of snapshot of the um code of silence dynamic in the yeah. police force it's not called out specifically it's not a huge it's not like an issue like this isn't an issue episode about right, that right. or anything but it is clearly present in uh what how becker responds and what becker tells other people later in the episode and i think that really felt pretty um contemporary <laughs> like that felt relevant yeah and there's this thing with becker where um as the episode progresses there's a 
he's getting you know beaten down by by the department by by what's mm-hmm. happening here uh and he still has kind of a uh he holds on to like there's there's a line I, we'll probably get to it but much later on in the episode where he's like there 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 are very few dirty cops yeah he he has to believe that for his own peace of mind yeah yeah exactly so like he's stuck in this spot where he right. he feels like a true believer mm-hmm. and he's He's the one who's under the under the microscope right now. Right. Who's uh, um, on the fire in the hot seat? There we go. That's that's. Oof. <laughs> it is after hours. Yeah, we're we're doing an <laughs> evening recording, so some of our uh, uh, some of some of our language here isn't exactly scintillating. Uh, <laughs> we can blame that. Um, yeah. So what we get here is that um, Becker transferred to narco for a couple weeks i mean it's it's like a month assignment i guess and it's been three and a half weeks he's basically moonlighting he's he's picking up overtime over there uh and then Mm -hmm. he's going to come back to his regular beat which is robbery and homicide he doesn't like the work but it pays well because there's so much overtime yeah we have a exchange where becker wants to know what's going on and they ask him if he wants an attorney and Yes. He's like, no, I don't want an attorney. I just want to know what's going on. <laughs> what's happened is that the police property, I don't know, locker room, I guess they say. The yeah, room, yeah. Um, that contains like evidence and, and whatnot. Heroin from the police property room has been stolen and is on the street and they got a tip and they found some of it in his spare tire in his car. Yes. So, there's the French connection, the Chinese connection, the Mexican connection, and now there's a new connection. <laughs> <laughs> I really enjoy how slick this internal affairs guy is. Mm-hmm. You just feel like anything Becker does or anything he says will incriminate himself. Yeah. Or or you could feel him steering him away from getting a lawyer and and uh yeah, it's good. It's good stuff. The actor was very familiar to me, and it just now occurred to me that I have IMDb open. <laughs> um, he because he was on Hill Street Blues, I believe, in a similar role. I've never actually watched Hill Street Blues, which I should probably um, change at some point. John Hink- Hinckley, yeah, that's him. I mean, I feel like he's probably been a lot of stuff. He has a very distinctive chin. Yeah. Oh, he's an Outland. But yeah, here he he turns on a dime from being friendly and we just want to talk to you to accusatory, yeah. right? We found it, Sergeant. We got tipped, we looked, and we found it. Then it has to be planned. Prove it. You're the new boy in Narco. It never happened before. It happens three days before you're transferred out. And there's this long pause before we end the scene on... You want that lawyer now, Becker? We uh, then go to Jim's perspective, where he's just been waiting this whole time. Becker's been in there for hours, and Jim, since he gave him a ride, <laughs> has been waiting for him to come out. <laughs> Dennis finally comes out, and Jim lights into him about waiting for so long. Becker's in no mood for it. You know, Becker's clearly in a foul mood, and Jim's like, oh, you know, he brings up the party, and like, and he builds up to... If you have a problem, congratulations. You're the only one in the world. It better be a beauty. And uh, Becker says, uh, well, this will give you a few yucks. It is. I've just been suspended. <laughs> and Jim immediately, his face falls. And, and Becker is pushed past him after saying that and is walking away. And he just has this wonderful, Dennis. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I love when when Jim gets ramped up in anger at his friends and then they say something and it just pulls the rug out mm-hmm. from underneath them and he's just like, oh, okay. Yeah, I'm not being a good friend right now. I mean, we've seen that happen a few times with Angel, but this is this one's a classic one. This yeah. one's really good. This reminds me of a, a moment from uh, To Protect and Serve um, where there's the super fan that uh, is following Dennis around. And yeah, there's there's a similar situation where jim is mad at dennis about something and dennis tells him what's really going on and he just flips to oh it's because he's suspended he's he's being investigated or not investigated but he's um he shoots uh a guy while apprehending him yeah and then he has to be on like suspension while they do an internal investigation like yeah which is just policy but jim doesn't know that until dennis tells him the whole story um so it's a similar thing where (laughs) Where Jim gets mad at Dennis and it's like, no, it's this really serious thing. And Jim instantly is like, oh, that, yeah, yeah, my bad. (laughs) (laughs) To a similar thing where we end up with Jim, uh, you know, buying Dennis some beers at a bar and uh, (laughs) getting, getting the rest of the story, which is where we go to in the next scene. Becker explains the situation to him, um, and uh, Jim says that, you know, well, if you're clean, then just let it run its course. You know, the theory they're working under. Is that Becker needed the cash. And he says, who doesn't? He and Peggy, they bought their house on a foreclosure. And this year, the taxes doubled. Uh, the property taxes on their place doubled. Money's money's really tight. Yeah. He he tells a story about his parents and how his dad worked at a button factory and <laughs> cashed his paycheck and brought it home. And his mom had envelopes. And he describes envelope budgeting, which is yeah, <laughs> maybe familiar to, to some folks. But uh you know, you, you have your envelope for rent, for food, for clothes, etc. And then we lived out of those envelopes. And this is a setup for something, uh, um, just another line later on in a scene or two about the envelopes. Mm-hmm. One, of, one of my favorite things going on in this scene, um, I, aside from just like, you know, we're kind of getting an idea of that Dennis's situation is more dire and he's taking it on himself. Mm-hmm. He might not even be letting Peggy know just how bad the financials get are. That sense, yeah. Yeah. And um, he gets up out of frustration and then goes to play pinball, mm-hmm. puts a quarter in and then doesn't play. Mm-hmm. He, he's, he's basically he's just fretting about. He doesn't know what to do with himself is really what's happening. But I love the business. When he leaves, which he can't do without Rockford, because Rockford right. drove him, uh, Rockford turns to the pinball machine, and there's there's just like a there's just like longer a than you'd expect, yeah, yeah, a beat of, of Rockford, like even pulling the the plunger back and letting one of the balls roll, uh, and it rolls as 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 he walks away, and and you know it goes, it starts pinging off of some of the bump, the upper bumpers, the ones that flash yeah. and stuff, and make noise, and so he looks back over his shoulder and then like grins as it just keeps ricocheting around in there. Like, Oh, that was a good shot. <laughs> yeah. Before good. going after Dennis, he's not going to play the pinball, but yeah, we have this like extended beat of Jim, not wasting the quarter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then I don't know if that was just captured. Like it just worked, worked and they just left it in or, or what, but uh, I was thinking about that too, because like not all, it was a good, it was a good shot. And it, that could have literally been a genuine, like, James Gardner moment. Yeah. But there's also a thing about money. So, okay, let's get into why this episode's so good for me and you. It, it's a, yeah, it's a good us episode. 
Yeah, uh, because it, there's going to be a lot of food stuff and there's going to be a lot of money stuff. And um, the money stuff is going to get down into the quarters here. Mm-hmm. Like Becker doesn't have the money to waste on a pinball machine. <laughs> and importantly, Jim offers him a few hundred dollars that he can scrape together if he needs needs yeah. to. And Becker kind of waves him off and Jim says, I wouldn't offer it if I wasn't willing to give it to you. Right. Right. And that yeah. is 100% true. <laughs> <laughs> We end the sequence outside of Becker's house where Jim and Dennis have a little more conversation in Jim's car. You know that story I told you before? I told that to Peggy a long time ago when we first got married. Uh, she's got the envelopes now and not enough to put in them. Now I gotta tell her I'm suspended. How the hell do I do that? Yeah. And Jim just doesn't have an answer, which no. is very real. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. At a certain point, you can't help someone else break that kind of, you know, break that kind of news. And so we watch Jim watch Becker slowly and slump-shoulderedly walk up to his door. Then we have a very sad part of the score rise as we go inside, tight on Dennis's face, and then pull out to see the leftover party stuff because it never got cleaned up including the happy birthday dennis sign that's hanging (laughs) off of one side it's so sad it's so good i love this i like i have dennis framed in the ruins of his party in my notes Mm -hmm. here because it's just uh it's a great shot this is a great i mean joe santos always great yeah uh this is as most becker focus episodes are great showcase of his ability to be downtrodden but not pathetic yeah i mean he can be pathetic when when needed but i think we really get the sense of the gravity of he feels like this is a crushing moment like the thing that his entire identity is wrapped up in being a cop has just been stripped away from him and he has the financial pressure yeah and like what are you supposed to do like i don't know (laughs) like that's (laughs) it's a big big moment we do go from there to to uh, Peggy vacuuming. I think mercifully, we don't have to see that actual conversation happen. Mm-hmm. Becker comes in. He asks if he's had any calls. He already went for his walk. He wants to know when lunch is. And Peggy says, well, you can have it now if you want, but it's only 1030. <laughs> so now we get that flip side where he literally doesn't know what to do with himself. Right. Um, she tells him that he should go down to the station and find out what's going on. Maybe get himself a get himself a lawyer that they mentioned. He does spell out here that uh, getting a lawyer, it's the kiss of death. You get a lawyer and they figure you have to be dirty. But we get a good joke in the cut uh, to get into our next scene where Peggy says, Dennis, you have to do something. Dennis goes, yeah. And then Jim goes, no. Yes. (laughs) Uh, Jim and Dennis are at some vending machines at a car wash, I think. Jim's getting coffee. Becker's agonizing over which candy bar to get out of this machine. Yeah. We are coming in to the middle of the conversation where Becker is asking Jim for his help. Yeah. Jim doesn't want to get involved. Of course, it's going to cause more trouble for him and for Jim. Uh, Let it play out. He's clean. They're all cops. They're all on the same side. They can't build a case. But Becker says that he can smell it, that they're going to frame him, that the internal affairs guys, they only move up by busting cops. I think we see here where, like, while Becker's a true believer, he's not an idealist. Right. He is a realist. Yeah. There's there's a fun bit here where it seems that Dennis has invited Jim to lunch and they're getting lunch out of the vending machine. And that's um, another, like, bit about the money. So, yeah, the business during all this is, like, 
them getting a couple things out of these vending machines. Yeah. Yeah. And this yeah. is the, the lunch that Becker said he would, he would host Jim to. Um, Becker does say that as soon as things get hairy, Jim can walk, no arguments, totally mm-hmm. his, his call. And Jim, of course, finally agrees. Becker's then distracted, I guess, by like the, the, the workers at the yeah, uh, I car I, wash. I wasn't quite sure. Was that Becker's car that they, yeah, I think so. Yeah. All right. So he goes and shoes a couple people away from his car. And I guess my re again, I don't know how car wash has worked at this time. My read on that was like, he didn't want them to do anything because then he would have to pay them or tip them or something. Yeah, that that could be the case. So he shoves everything that he was holding into Jim's hands and Jim just looks at it. And then he comes back and he asks Jim if he can get a push (laughs) (laughs) Yes, because he has to get to another police station because he has a doctor's appointment. And Jim just throws his handful of snacks in the garbage as (laughs) he walks over to his own car. (laughs) This isn't lunch. Yeah, yeah. Jim does start poking around. Um, He is at the station. And he starts talking to another another cop. Um, I think he was at the party. I actually don't remember if he was or not. But this is uh, Andy Dolan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he was at the party. I remember him. So he's a friend of Becker's. They went through academy, the police academy together. He can't believe that Becker did anything dirty. He has a clean record. Must be a frame. Uh, Jim explains that Internal Affairs got a tip. So someone, mm-hmm. you know, specifically is is trying to um you know make him look like he's he's suddenly turned dirty um so dolan has a whole thing where he says that he can't give jim any names there's no like he can't snitch right he doesn't say this <laughs> this is not in the dialogue but you know snitches get stitches yeah yeah which is another part of the code of silence thing right like this is another right. element of that um Jim just needs a starting point, anything he can give him. And finally, Dolan gives him a name, Mendoza uh, Gopher, who's been known to gopher for more than a prune Danish, if you know what I mean. (laughs) Jim is going to leave, but then uh, a woman in uniform grabs him and uh, Becker had introduced them once at a Lakers game. So she remembers him, right? Right, right. She wants Dennis to know that they're auditing the buy money tomorrow and she can't cover for him. So it turns out that he dipped into their the buy money in the narco department or whatever for a brake job for his car. And he was intending to put it back, but, you know, you know he forgot or something. And it's $150. And mm-hmm. I, I was like, that, that, that passed without comment. But then I realized from Jim's surprised reaction that, oh, right, that's a lot. <laughs> All right. So $150. Through our, uh, what what year are we looking at here? Uh, 77. 77. All right. Inflation. This is important because I can, uh, all right, 1977, the year is 2020, $150. Calculate $677. That is a little overpriced for a break job because, uh, and I can tell you that because this weekend, <laughs> uh, I, while, I, while out of town, had to get a 500 and change dollar break job. Oh no. <laughs> and I was so not happy about that. Yeah. Um, fortunately I had buy money I could dip into, uh, mm-hmm. from your, all your narco buying. Yeah. Well, you know, I've been moonlighting on the, <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, there, there was something about this woman. I don't know how, how it read to you, but I felt like this was a setup and it just turned out not to be, it was just an honest, Mm-hmm. 
I was expecting Jim to pay her the money and then someone to nail Jim for either bribing or something or yeah, or something like that. Like now that you say it, I see that. I didn't think that in the moment. Um, I've been watching too many noirs. That's (laughs) what's happening in. I mean, she seems very wholesome as part of it. I think Uh, also in retrospect, this is a bit of a subplot, right? If anything, it stands out to me for being a little bit unnecessary plot wise, but it's a subplot about Dennis's financial state that is relevant. Well, it's it, it's part of why the suspicion is on him. Right, right. Why it's going to be so hard to, to throw it. Yeah, uh, yeah, it'll look real bad, right? If they audit the money yeah. and he's taken way too much for what he says was a break job and he, quote, intended to pay it back. Like, that's just, it yeah. looks bad. Um, Jim gives her cash to cover it. <laughs> So he gives her $150 on the spot. Then he frowns at the money left in his hand. Then he <laughs> makes a phone call to Angel and yes. asks how you'd like to pick up an easy 20. <laughs> yeah, he's counting the money. Yeah. Uh, now we're in it. Mm-hmm. Now, now we've got Angel, Angel's involved. Angel working to get uh, Becker off the, off the hook here. Mm-hmm. One thing that, again, I'm just realizing now that I like is that Angel and Becker never interact until the very end. I mean, because until Angel, the very end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's not like it's not like Becker needs to bring an angel or Jim has to talk Becker into accepting angel. Jim's kind of like, all right, I need to chase down like this tiniest thing, this one name on the street. I guess angel can help. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I can afford angel (laughs) barely. So we have a little montage here where we cut back and forth between Jim talking to men in bars and angel (laughs) talking to women on the street yeah (laughs) i was like my notes are like i i love the mystery here i mean i assume jim's interrogating underworld folk but like what is going on with angel what his what has he sent angel to do is is the question right yeah because i was like is he gonna like track down clothes or something so very specifically, the 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 guys that Jim is talking to are Rockford coded as underworld, right? Mm-hmm. And the women that Angel talks to are just people going about their daily lives. Yeah, it's just people <laughs> shopping, people at a bus stop. They're all yeah. women. You kind of just get this feeling, uh, in retrospect, you kind of just get this feeling that Angel took the job and then just went about his normal day, which involves just talking to anyone who'll listen. I, yeah, in retrospect, I think it's, it's, I talked to people on the street. Right, right yeah. Like, Jim, you <laughs> asked me to talk to people on the street. I talked to people on the street. I didn't try to talk to anyone relevant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So our uh, the the, the cross cutting and the score under it cuts as we go to Angel getting a deli sandwich. Hey 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 hey! What's with you, man? Is there a shortage on salami? <laughs> okay, Angel, how'd it go? Yeah, it's going okay. Can I ask more peppers, please? Guys trying to charge me extra for the provolone. <laughs> What'd you get? The submarine, and I wouldn't recommend it either. Angel information. Jimmy, can you get this? It's a buck and a quarter, which is way out of line. Yes. I, I took a, a screenshot and I posted it to Instagram because the the deli guy, the guy serving Angel, mm-hmm. not only has the most amazing Mario from Mario Brothers mustache <laughs> under his white chef's hat, 
Um, or I mean, he's like a line cook, right? Like, so he has like yeah. a little white, like peaked hat and this amazing mustache. And then just the look in his eyes, <laughs> just, <laughs> just the look in his eyes as he, as he withstands this abuse from Angel, but he sees that he is in fact going to get paid for the sandwich is <laughs> chef kiss. And then the camera very clearly shows us that after paying for this dollar 25 sandwich, Jim has exactly <laughs> two $1 bills left. Um, he joins Angel at the bar where he's enjoying his sandwich, giving the bartender a stink eye as two beers appear in front of them <laughs> and asks Angel what he found out. This is a classic, classic Jim Angel moment here. Billy Tata. Billy Tata? I never heard of him. Yeah, me neither. I guess he must be new on the code. Yeah, well, the name I came up with was uh, Raphael Sabatini. Well, let me finish the story, huh? Sabatini. That's the name I got from four or five guys. Sabatini. Angel. Rafael Sabatini has been dead for a couple of hundred years. I better tell those guys. Boy, what a reputation he's got. <laughs> <laughs> uh, good, good angel. So, of course, Angel didn't turn up anything with his inadequate uh, questioning yeah. of people on the street. But Jim did get two names. So he gives one to Angel to check out. Uh, and then he tells Angel he'll he'll get his money once he actually does that work. We see Angel take a big bite out of his sandwich uh, <laughs> before yelling at Jim not to forget the beer yeah. as Jim goes to the payphone. He calls uh, Becker's house. Peggy answers. Uh, he says it's not important, but she says, uh, whatever you whatever you want to talk to, to Dennis about, you should. It'll make him feel better. Right. He's at Frank's place. Well, let's take a little break. Uh, we want to make sure that you know where you can follow all of our other projects and interests online. Epi, where can our listeners find you? Uh, you can Google Epidia. I am the only one out there that I know of. Uh, you can go to digathousandholes.com. That's the number a thousand. Or you can go to worlds, plural, without master, singular, dot com and uh, find my work there. How about you, Nathan? My internet home for all things NDP is at ndpdesign.com. You can find all of the links and information for all of my various games, including the Worldwide Wrestling role-playing game, my zines, and uh, podcast projects, of which perhaps there may be more than one. You can also find me on Instagram and Twitter at ndpaoletta. As always, if you want more information about the podcast, go to 200aday.fireside.fm. And now back to the continuing adventures of Jimbo Rockfish. I assume that Frank's place was a bar, but no. <laughs> we have exciting stuff is happening uh, music, as I call it in my notes. <laughs> checking an address and then wandering into a century cab garage and dennis is coming out in a cab as jim walks in uh frank is an ex-cop who run who who runs this century cab nobody looks more comfortable being a cabbie than dennis like there that was that could have been his calling in life fun trivia fact apparently before he started getting cast and stuff joe santos drove a cab for like three years see that's perfect i forget exactly where i read that it might have been in the um it might have been in the in the the 30 years of the rock files i don't remember might be in the trivia on imdb so if i'm wrong about that i apologize but i did read it in the last two days (laughs) 
<laughs> and I agree. He is one of nature's cabbies. Yes. <laughs> I mean, he's a great police sergeant, but he's yeah. also mm-hmm. a great cab driver. Um, Jim hits him with these two names and Dennis recognizes Willie Hatton, or as mm-hmm. he calls him, Willie the Hat. <laughs> Becker busted him a week and a half ago trying to unload Mexican mud over a schoolyard fence. Uh, but he's he's back out and Jim posits that maybe he used Becker to deal himself out of his, you know, out of, out of jail or, or whatever. Dennis gets mad, says, leave him to me. I know how to deal with cockroaches like him. <laughs> Peels out in his cab. He mentions that it's not far from his fare. <laughs> Like the, <laughs> the, the, you know, the motel, whatever that this guy lives in. And we have a good gag as Jim goes back to his car where he's parked next to a fire hydrant and he is getting a ticket very <laughs> slowly written as he tries to explain to the, uh, the traffic enforcer that, uh, he's in a hurry. <laughs> and most of this, I, I, like my notes were like, what is going on here? Uh, because I was suspicious of all authority in this episode. Right, right. But this is just so that Rockford is is too slow to beat Dennis to the right. to the next scene. Jim rushes into this hotel in a in a hurry, uh asks for Willie Hatton and the manager has a great line. Anyone who needs him knows where to find him. <laughs> but does tell him the room. Jim heads upstairs. There's no score under this, and it's a it becomes a very ominous walk down a hallway. I feel like we know where this is headed. Yeah. <laughs> Jim knocks on a on the door. There's no answer. He goes in, the door's unlocked, the TV is on. So he moves through the space into the bathroom where we see a man drowned in the bathtub. Mm-hmm. The timing on this is impeccable because I'm like, yes. <laughs> we see Jim see this, we see the shot, and then I'm just expecting expecting it to go to commercial or something or cut to right. the scene. But just as I'm expecting that cut, a chair comes out of nowhere and smashes <laughs> into the back of Jim's head and whoever was still in the apartment makes her escape. There was something about it that surprised me in a really satisfying way yeah like a genuine like you weren't expecting it Mm -hmm. yeah no same here i i enjoyed it and it didn't need to be there for any there's no plot reason really it needed to be there or anything it's just for this like really great effect i guess every so often you have to get the drop on jim yeah just it just has to happen jim groans puts his you know tries to pick himself up sees a century cab matchbook on the ground <laughs> as we've been uh, had a couple exchanges on twitter recently that the art of the matchbook being a clue has really gone out of style and that's a real shame it, i mean like this is before cell phones and gps that's that's how you trace someone's movements it, people would just leave matchbooks from their previous location <laughs> in, in a new location you just follow it backwards you have a good gym we go to the station where the internal affairs guys are coming in with becker Uh, jim's waiting in the hallway becker hopes that their stories jibe jim says well did you tell the truth and becker says that he's not worried about himself (laughs) (laughs) he's rubbing his jaw and jim asks him why and uh he has a swollen gland that's what he was supposed to go see the doctor for but he canceled it for the cab job because he Mm. needs the money um Jim shows him the matchbook. Dennis says that it's evidence. Jim says it's a plant. Dennis says, yeah, but it's also evidence. Yes. <laughs> Jim informs Dennis that he owes him a yard and a half for the uh, covering up, covering yeah. the, the break, the break job money. The argument about whether it's petty cash or not. And then that ends with Rockford straight up asking him just how hard up for money are you? Just 
And there's a significant pause before Chapman appears to drag Jim into his office. <laughs> um, so I don't think we go back to, I don't think we go back to this theme, I guess, this, this kind of sub subplot of um, Becker's money woes specifically. Uh, yeah, it's not resolved. Right. I was expecting either some kind of like Becker did something that he's like ashamed of and lost some money or something like that. And that's why yeah. he's being so tight lipped or it's something like he was going to do something for Peggy and it didn't, and it lost money like, or he's going to get her a gift or something, you know, like I could see that also being something. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's never actually resolved. And that's not, I mean, that's not really a problem, but I did kind of think it was going to come up again to kind of close that loop at some point. Right. It, it, um, I mean, we all know about money problems. Um, mm-hmm. They're just perennial. And uh, he's underwater with the house, which <laughs> makes sense. If you don't know about money problems, may I refer you to our Patreon at patreon.com slash 200 a day. Yeah, that's a good plug. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I agree. Like, it, there's, there's a general theme about money problems throughout this episode because we, we are watching Rockford bleed money. And also it's very obvious he's not hired by Dennis. He's just helping a friend out. I mean, in a way, this is the money he offered to scrape together yeah. for Dennis, right? He's just he's spending it on behalf of Dennis without yeah. just giving him cash. And there's certainly no happy ending where he's he gets a big oh, bonus or something. Yeah, or something like that. Yeah. yeah. It's just not gonna happen. Well, we go into the 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 scene we've all been waiting for where Jim gets hauled in before all the uh all the <laughs> investigators. Jim sits down to talk after he is given a very good oblique threat. It's not really oblique, but a very good, I don't know, don't make me do this threat from the internal affairs guy. Yeah. We wouldn't want to file formal formal charges, <laughs> yes. but we can. He's uh, he's great because he does this like face that's like, I'm just trying to be your friend. But then he just completely switches it over to with so much power over you right now. Like it just, yeah. <clears throat> don't get it twisted. Yeah. We know, we know who's in charge here. Um, he says that they're making progress and, uh, the captain, I think O'Reilly, um, who is, who has been silent this whole time blows, blows his top. Progress. What progress? We got heroin B hitting the streets right out of narco property. We got a police informant drowned in his own bathtub. We got a cop who looks better for it than anybody in town. And you know what I got? Breakfast with the chief tomorrow, so I can brief him on when he don't read in the paper or catch on 11 o'clock news. So he points at Jim and says, lock him up. And and Chapman says, on what crime? He's like, okay, fine. Lock Becker up. (laughs) We can do that for 48 hours. And we have the rare, rare evidence of Chapman not just immediately bowing to whoever is in charge. I don't see where that's going to help anything. So the captain asked Chapman for his personal guarantee that Becker won't cause any trouble out on the streets. And Chapman orders Dennis to go home, stay there. He's going to put a man on him so he doesn't leave and absolutely no contact with with Rockford. (laughs) Jim can leave, but he's out of it. Uh, He means that if he catches him mousing around even the edges of this, he'll slap him with charges they don't even have on the books yet. It's not that it seemed out of character. It just is a really interesting little snapshot of 
Chapman's role in the hierarchy, I guess, where he's like, yeah, he has an authority that he doesn't want to let go of, but he also, you know, finds a way to be mad at Jim. Yes. <laughs> and I feel like there's a kind of a sense, I might be reading this into it, that Chapman's kind of on Becker's side versus internal affairs. I think that's probably true. If it's not in the text, it's in the subtext. <laughs> you know, I think that the, the um, what's his name? James, James Louisey. Mm-hmm. Is that how it's pronounced? If it's not, then I've been mispronouncing it for the entire run of our show. <laughs> uh, he's, he's, I think we, we've seen him act. Yeah, I think a, He's probably sitting in this moment thinking about what what Chapman's situation is. And he's probably going through that exact same thing. It's just Mm -hmm. that Dennis needs to get out of this mess. He probably doesn't like internal affairs and uh, doesn't want him up in his business. And maybe Rockford is a a chance, you know, like, like, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, offers a chance for Dennis to get out of this or. If nothing else, maybe oh, sure, Rockford sure. does something where they could put Rockford up instead of Dennis, that kind of thing. Yeah, and and they do legitimately not have anything on him. <laughs> on him. Yeah. yeah. Um, so the captain follows Jim out and calls uh, Andy Dolan over and puts him on Jim, tells him yeah. not, to, not to lose Rockford and to report to him directly. All right. So Jim, of course, goes home. We go to his trailer where he is cooking his own dinner. Wearing an adorable little apron. <laughs> uh, the phone rings and it's Angel. Um, says that he can give him Marty Golden for $50. Jim, of course, originally offered him $20, but Angel has put in a lot of hours on this. It's not even minimum wage at this point. And we have this great shot of him just chewing on a stick of gum on his end of the phone while he and Jim are playing chicken about who's going to break first over this. Yes. <laughs> and uh, Jim ends up ends up saying, OK, fine, $50. So Marty Golden is a comic. He works at a place called The Stage Left and that uh, he's also does does some schlepping for the owner, Kasajan. Angel doesn't doesn't know who that is, but Jim recognizes the name so that we will know who this is. <laughs> he's big in automobile racing and he owns I think he says he owns like a car wash and a couple other businesses. He's, he has his finger in lots of pies. It's fun to think of Jim just like just having a catalog of these people. I I kind of like the idea that because Jim likes cars, he would know who owns racing tracks. Right. Yeah, <laughs> like, I see that making sense. But yeah, this this is a written moment to remind us as the audience that this is who we saw in that first scene. Right. Yeah. Angel thought he'd want to see him. So he got them 9 p.m. tickets for the for Marty. Marty Golden's next show. And Jim sure does want to see him. He hangs up the phone. Then he sees that his food is burning. And he goes over and pokes at it. I think it was like a, either like a lamb chop or like a... I don't know. Maybe a pork chop? Yeah, like a pork chop thing. It didn't really look like beef. But anyway, it is a, it is clearly a piece of meat that he has been tenderly cooking. He has, yeah. he has lemons. <laughs> yeah, he's ready. He had this whole plan and it is, uh, it is, it is burned, it is burned to too much to recover. And he has a very frustrated face as he just throws it straight in the garbage. He gets his coat and then he gets his gun out of the cookie jar. Yes. So this is a callback to the last episode we did here. Um, we, again, we have Rockford's cookie jar. He pulls the gun out, but I don't think he uses the gun at any point from here on out in the episode. Yeah, he has. Yeah, he has it taken from him. 
so yeah, we know because the opening montage ends with a freeze frame on him and the sound of gunfire, and then we see him pick up the gun from the cookie jar. It it definitely ups the stakes about what's what's going to happen next. So I I enjoyed that, but it, again, it's this the sort of uh, spoiling our expectations because it's it's not a thing that he's going to uh, very rarely wields it, even when he has it. Yeah, I, I think he has it so that he can have it taken away. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I also noticed, and this isn't just, I don't know, I i don't think this is always in the set dressing, but he has a glass bowl of matchbooks next to the cookie jar. <laughs> and I was like, matchbooks? But I think no. it was just the, how they dressed the set that day or whatever. Um, it is not relevant to the story. I was just seeing if there's anything that the uh, that the guy who plays Marty Golden is in that I would recognize. He is in a movie called Wonton Ton, The Dog Who Saved Hollywood. Well... I mean, the name Jack Carter sounds very familiar. The name sounds familiar. Probably played this character in everything he was in. Right, yeah. And he was in a lot of things. Yeah. For instance, in ER, he played Mickey Goldstein. <laughs> he did a bunch of voices for the Run and Stimpy show. That makes sense. Wilbur Cobb, Wilbur J. Cobb, and Old Geezer. <laughs> <laughs> so we watch Andy Dolan and his and his partner follow Jim to the club. So we know Jim's still still under surveillance. And Marty Golden, uh, who sure enough is the guy from the track, um, is doing some real bad jokes. <laughs> <laughs> so this is a not like a prosperous, fun club. This is a grim. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is not uh, not where you want to be performing, I believe, is is what we're supposed to take from this. Um, Jim joins Angel at a table. There's the bit from the preview montage. Is that Marty Golden? Yeah, he's dying. Get the hook! That's it, sir. Keep America beautiful. Kill yourself. Angel continues heckling. Um, Marty ignores him and engages with him a little bit. Then he tells another really bad joke. It totally dies. I love L.A., but have you ever been to Vegas? Now, there's a town. Last time I was there, I had a slot machine there with a sign over it. It said, in case of atomic attack, hide under this machine. It's never been hit. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's a lemon and two watermelons. I don't even know what that means, but I like it. <laughs> so I do know what it means. Oh, <laughs> let me explain the joke to you. It's so bad because um, the joke itself was a gambling joke, right? It was about Vegas. It was a slot machine. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. If there's a nuclear bomb. Yeah. Get I under think... this uh, this slot machine. It's never been hit. <laughs> now, so there's a couple things going on here. Number one, this guy clearly wants to be in vegas and he's not right Right. so he's telling vegas jokes he says later that like he used to do vegas and like he actually did do well in vegas at some point in the past and he's clearly trying to recapture that and um the i love the parallel between that and so angel's whole journey from this point forward (laughs) is great So that's what's happening there. And then when he says that that's a lemon and two watermelons, I think he's 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 saying it's a lemon, right? It's a bad joke. But also it's a lemon and two watermelons, which probably won't pay out on the slot machine. <laughs> yeah, right? like I, yeah now the, that you say that, I see because, yeah, those are like things that aren't going to I'm with you now. I never would have gotten there. I like I follow the logic of every one of his bad jokes and they all had logic to him, which was great as well. Um, but yeah, it's it's a wonderful scene to watch Angel heckle maliciously, but also like as if that that's part of what you're supposed to be doing. Right. That's how he's engaging. I mean, Marty's best material is responding to 
to heckling. Yeah. Like yeah, some exactly. of those lines are actually funny. Yeah. And I think this is all, you know, we are not meant to think that he is doing no. good work. Like he's not good. That's the point. I, I really enjoyed watching Angel behave as if he was performing not just a public good, <laughs> but like what Marty would want out of the situation. Right. <laughs> and so, so he mentions, so we'll talk about Angel for a second. So part yeah. of the, act is he mentions that it's an open mic and that you can get paid yeah i don't recall exactly what he says but what angel takes from it is hey they pay you to go up there yes after the set finishes jim wants to go catch marty angel says that he'll pick up the tab and jim mm-hmm. i think is rightfully suspicious <laughs> he's like no 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 i want to stay here I'm, I'm done working i want to watch the rest of the show and jim's like all right like if you want to keep the tab it's out of my hands i don't care so he he goes backstage. The waiter comes over. Angel gives him the ticket and says to give yourself a big tip. It's on the house. And then he <laughs> jumps up on stage and starts doing prison material. Yes. And what I think is really funny, he's dying up there. Like there's yeah. not a single yeah. laugh. But maybe it's just because the delivery. His jokes are actually funny. <laughs> like I I was more amused by Angel's prison jokes than marty's vegas jokes uh then i knew this prisoner whose lawyer came to see him in the prison the lawyer said everything is terrific we got everything under the control i got a big pitch going with the parole board and i have some very close connections with the governor but in the meantime try and escape <laughs> escape escape just before he goes up he has this little there's this back and forth with rockford about him you know angel being like you remember when i did that in prison i did a set or whatever jim was like they were yelling at you like Mm-hmm. you did not do well in prison right 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 and that's not how angel remembers it no uh but yeah it's a good bit it's it, a good bit it's a very it's a it's very funny it's pure angel it's really good yeah plot wise uh there's a couple goons lurking around and one of them answers a uh answers the phone and it's mr Cassasian, and he says that yeah we got a rockford he's at table eight <laughs> And they're supposed to go, you know, get him. And then he slips out before they, they can. So now they have to go find him, whatever he's up to. So in the moment, I did not question this at all. Looking back at it, I'm kind of like, so why is he calling? Like, why is he looking for Jim? Mm-hmm. But I think this must be, this makes sense once the final reveal happens, right? Right. Yeah. Um. Wait, does it? I think so. So, okay. Around this point, also, I, w- I started thinking, so the only other cop that we've been right. talking to is this guy handy dolan and we know that there's been stuff being stolen from narco and someone's trying to pin it on dennis so around now is when i was like i bet he's the actual dirty yeah. cop and so we'll go ahead and, and and issue a spoiler for the last 15 minutes of this episode <laughs> um that is in fact uh, uh what's going on so i guess since dolan is following jim and he doesn't want Jim to cause any trouble to the situation he has going. Maybe he calls Kasajan to tell him, hey, this Rockford guy is coming to your club. Yeah, that's probably probably what's going on here. I Like, uh, at this point, I think I was envisioning a, a broader, larger conspiracy than what it turned out to be. Mm-hmm. So I thought the cop that put Dolan on Rockford yeah was also captain. part of it i i thought that might be the case as well yeah i i, I honestly thought the whole narco squad was was responsible <laughs> and they're just they're blaming beckard because he's the only clean one yeah exactly yeah. so 
to me, this whole thing was like, oh, yeah, of course, they would tell their mob boss that they were tied to what was going on. And yeah, there's a couple ways it could yeah. happen. But that that's the one that occurs to me now looking back at yeah. it in the moment. Totally made sense. Didn't I didn't even not a speed bump. Yeah, clearly, you know, they're going to interact at some point. So um, it's very natural. But, you know, sometimes you look for look for the connective tissue and it makes sense, I think. Um, Jim catches Marty getting into his car and then, uh, and then in an amazing power move makes Marty slide over into the passenger seat and he sits behind, behind the wheel <laughs> while he's trying to impress Jim with his Vegas stories. And in my notes, I go, Jim's behind the wheel, my dude. <laughs> yes. You are not in control of the situation. I just, this line is like, Hey, you want to slide over for a minute? <laughs> I was like, how did that work? It's like, so oh. good. It's such a power move. This guy is so used to just caving to anyone who has any kind of power over him. But yeah, it was great. It was perfect. The The next two scenes are a lot of Jim telling M- Marty what's going on and asking him about it. And Marty denying yeah. that he knows anything until he finally tells Jim. This first part, uh, he doesn't get too far before there are two goons come running out of the club. And, uh, well, the, the sequence is Marty says, take a hike or I'll call the goon squad. And then we see them running out. And then we see Jim, see them in the rear view and say, you won't have to. And he peels out. So we have a brief chase, um, where the goons are following. I notice that there are no seatbelts being worn. So (laughs) yeah, standards and practices missed this one. Yeah. Um, Jim manages to take a tight turn that the following car can't make. And they, uh, hit a fire hydrant the car is incapacitated they can no longer follow and jim and marty get away and uh we have a good good line from marty who taught you driving evil knievel <laughs> they pull over marty says that he's feeling sick and then he kind of awkwardly tries to run away but clearly he is not going to be able to escape jim um jim says he's trying to help him not hurt him we go back and forth about not knowing anything and then jim uh mentions a stiff named willie hatton and that tells him that hatton is dead how many ways I got to tell you? I don't know what you're talking about. Okay, Marty, whatever you say. Hey, you want me to give you a lift back to the club? Those two mastodons ought to be dried off and heading for home pretty soon. They saw us together. But, you know, you can tell them you played it cool. You didn't tell me a thing. They'll go for your story. You creep, they'll kill me. I mean, if I talk, I'm dead. And if I don't talk, I'm dead. <laughs> <laughs> Which I love how that gives away the story. Like, yeah, yeah. We all know that I know something. So he was just doing a favor for this guy Kasajan to get some club time, polish up his act to get back to Vegas. Um, you know, Kasajan's running dope on the side. He has a cop connection and he told Marty to talk up a cop named Becker on the streets uh, as a dirty cop or whatever. And Marty figures that that is his real connection and that he wants the cop not involved anymore. And this is how he mm-hmm. wants to take him out of the equation. But, you know, he doesn't actually know anything uh, about you know the actual details and says that the last that he's heard, they were still cutting up the dope at Kasajan's office at the track before putting it on the street. Jim gets back behind the wheel of Marty's car and says and he gives gives Marty his name and and where he lives and says to call him and he'll give him the car later. <laughs> Again, power move. Fun scene. It's the last we see of Marty, but uh, good, good stuff. Full of Rockfordishness, I would say. So there was a line in there I kept meaning to look up. Well, yeah, he keeps saying that I really schneidered him. Yeah. To prevent an opponent from scoring a point in the entire gamer match. So now it makes, yes, it's a, 
is it cribbage? Uh, from from the context, it sounded like he was saying that he just he really he you know, like he he tore the house down. It, I think in cribbage, it's it's like uh, a perfect score. Your opponent oh, okay. can't score anything because you've scored it all. So I think that that's what that's a reference to. Like, there's a bunch of card games where there's it's called a Schneider when you you there must have been a card player named Schneider who just went around. One would think, yeah, obliterating their opponents. If anyone knows about this master card player Schneider, yes, <laughs> let us know. Let's see. So we're we're getting to our our inevitable finale here. Um, Jim uh, calls Becker, tells him about Kasajian's. He has the dope, and and he's the one who set up set him up. And he tells Becker to call Narco and have them go to the track. And he, he specifically tells Becker to stay stay put. We don't want him getting into any more trouble, of course. And dun dun dun. I'll call Dolan. He's a good buddy, and he'll get some cops out there. And I, <laughs> in my notes, I'm like, uh oh. <laughs> yep. And we're not our 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 boys aren't onto him yet. So right. Um, we go to Jim sneaking around the track and then one of the goons surprises him, grabs his gun, <laughs> uh, forces him inside and Kasajian's in there with a couple other guys. They do in- indeed appear to be parceling out some, uh, material into, into smaller portions. So Kasajian, uh, is played by Jack Kelly, who was a Maverick co-star. Yes. That he's the other Maverick. He's the other Maverick, yeah. Oh, that's lovely. I, why I didn't notice that, I don't know. I mean, his presentation is pretty mob, mobby. Yeah. He does appear in another Rockford Files episode that we haven't done yet. And uh, most of the recaps and whatnot mentioning this episode say, you know, hey, Jack Kelly's in this episode. He has yeah. a scene with James Garner. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I, I totally missed that. Yeah, because uh, Brett and Bart. So he would, he'd been Bart Maverick. Yeah. Um, so we have a, a good exchange. Name's Rockford. He's a P.I. Dumb P.I. I don't have any time for this. We've got to get the stuff out of here. You take care of him, Joey. You'll be making a mistake, Mr. Kasajian. I don't make mistakes. <laughs> Jim says that uh, he's, he, he's called the cops. He's not dumb enough to walk into a situation like this without backup. And then suddenly Dolan and his partner bust in. With good Jim, what took you so long, Dolan? Then his partner moves in front. Dolan hits him in the back of the head with his pistol, <laughs> and chaos ensues. Jim throws Dolan at the goons and gets out the door because Agent yells for someone to turn on the track lights. I I really like this little detail where but Jim is somehow he's he is now underneath the the track, and this is the shot that seemed like he was under a pier, right? Yeah, there's two times where he's underneath this. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, because Agent and his goons run up like a ramp or something, and then he goes, "We're not gonna outrun him. Circle around to cut him off." Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) that's I don't know. That's very good. Like that is good. Yeah, good thinking. There's a guitar lick Uh, as the lights turn (laughs) on and and the action heats up. Jim finds a little crevice to crawl down back under the stairs uh, and underneath the track and or underneath the, the bleachers rather. And then we see a car rolling up with Becker. Becker to the rescue. Dolan finds Jim, holds him at gunpoint, and yells at him, you screwed it up. And then Becker is coming up behind him, sees Andy, has his own gun. Says, Andy, don't do it. Mm -hmm. Cut to Jim's perspective. He's on the ground, and Andy's up, (laughs) like, on the top of the risers. Yeah. Um, So from Jim's perspective, we see 
Dolan level his gun, then we hear a gunshot, then we see Dolan fall from the bleachers. And it's a it's a good fall. It's a good fall. And it's it's classically the indication that someone has died, right? Like that's mm-hmm. in every Western, every action television show from the Rockford Files backwards. Mm-hmm. If somebody gets shot with something and then tumbles over a precipice, that's it. And so I was worried. I was worried that Dennis had shot his buddy and mm-hmm. killed him, even though this is clearly the guy who set Dennis up. I, I thought for a moment that someone else shot him, like one of the gangsters shot him or something. Oh, yeah, possibly. <laughs> but as it turns out, Andy is not dead. He's groaning on the ground as as uh, Dennis runs up to him. Dennis did shoot him. <laughs> <laughs> and he tells Dennis that he should have finished him off. And then that's when the, the black and whites arrive with sirens blazing. All the goons are taken down. Um, Dennis says to Jim, I know you told me not to get involved. And Jim says, <laughs> thanks for ignoring me. Yeah. He says that he he called Dolan, who said he'd get the department on it, but then he called the station to check and there was no record of it. And so he knew that something was wrong. Hmm. And then we get a very, um, uh, I don't know what the right word would be. The the sequence ends with Becker reading Dolan his rights. Yeah. Dolan's on the ground and Becker's got his, his hand on his cheek, on, on Dolan's cheek. <laughs> I think holding his head up so yeah. that he can remain conscious mm-hmm. while he's reading him the rights. It's a great moment. You have the right to remain silent. If you give up the right to remain silent, get an ambulance, will you? Anything you say can and will be used against you in a court of law. He's doing the thing he has to do. He's grief stricken, mm-hmm. but you know he's gonna he's gonna do his job. And uh, it's a good it's a good moment. We do have Chapman loom in the background of the shot as mm-hmm. we freeze frame on this yeah. little tableau. And then uh, we have a slow fade to emphasize the gravity of, of our uh, our climax here. Maybe maybe a little false ending. Maybe a little bit I felt like it could have just ended. That, that was my fear. Like my note was like, whoa, <laughs> but but fortunately. <laughs> We do have a final scene here. Um, so we're back at the Becker home. We have Jim, Rocky, and Peggy in the shot. Peggy is in a great outfit um, mm-hmm. of vertical purple and white stripes and a, <laughs> a wide belt, narrow skirt. Looks great. Mm-hmm. Big lapels. You love to see it. You know, D- Dennis is also there. Um, Jim's asking him what happened, if he ever got an apology from the department. He says that he got reinstated, and that's what's important. Mm-hmm. Rocky, in classic Rocky fashion, says that he just doesn't understand. I don't understand any of this. Yeah, people can't be bad. <laughs> uh, so Andy Dolan, you know, was on the take, and he was going to stick, you know, frame this this situation on whoever the new guy in Narco was, mm-hmm. and it happened to be Dennis. So it wasn't personal, but it was <laughs> a frame. So Dennis. And, and then Dennis specifically says, I don't know how we got involved with Kasajan in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> like, we don't need to know more. Like, that's just, mm-hmm. that's fine. Jim keeps asking for more information, I think. And he and Dennis takes Jim's chips away. Jim has like a <laughs> bowl of chips in his hand and Dennis just pulls them out of his hand. Get the feeling, Jim, that he doesn't want to talk about it. Mm-hmm. According to Dennis, there's no such thing as a dirty cop. I didn't say that. They're few and far between. <laughs> Uh, and then guess what? Surprise! We're we're bringing back the birthday party since the first one didn't go so well. Uh, a bunch of people fi- invade the house. We see I have a note: angels lurking in the background. 
<laughs> uh, they bring Dennis a birthday cake with a cop car on top of it. Um, and then we go to Angel telling a rapt crowd, including Billings, uh, in his street clothes again, some of some of his best prison material. Yes. <laughs> Tell the one about the prisoner who's going to the chair. Okay. You know that one, the prisoner? Yeah. He goes, yeah. He's going to the electric chair, and his attorney comes in. He says, give me some last-minute advice. And the attorney says, don't sit down. It's good. It's a good moment. Um, then we finish with Jim and Dennis. Jim asks Dennis how he's doing, and Dennis says that, well, everybody's talking to me, and it's kind of nice having friends. But you know <laughs> something? I still hate surprise parties. <laughs> and that's where we get our freeze frame. End of episode. Yeah, it was a it was a fun one. It definitely had enough for both of us, food and <laughs> mm-hmm. money wise. Uh, I really did like the trajectory of the money, where it started off with these big ticket items, and then by the end, <laughs> Rockford is like counting his two dollar bills, <laughs> trying to see if he has change for the phone. Yeah, uh, that's good. That was very good. I like how it's kind of neatly wrapped up by Angel fobbing off the bill. Yeah. <laughs> Jim doesn't have to at the very end. Uh, yeah, it's good stuff. It's a uh, it's a solid episode. I really I really enjoyed it. We've had a string of of, uh, you know, out of the norm episodes. So this yeah. felt this, this felt like a very like having a, a, a good, solid square meal of a of a Rockford Files <laughs> A return to a return to pace, yeah, kind yeah, of thing. Definitely yeah. a return to form. Um, yeah, I, I I'm trying to think of like any other cherry on top. I could I could any any button made by Dennis's dad that we could put <laughs> at the end here. I think it, the one one thing that I did notice going back through it is that it has that like uh, kind of TikTok of uh, tone change. Mm. Like it really, yeah. it, it has a pretty serious like serious moment comedy moment serious moment comedy moment cadence that in in the moment i wasn't noticing it which i think is mm-hmm. good because it seemed right. natural yeah. um everything's very well balanced it's a it's a well-balanced cocktail of an episode if, uh, <laughs> if you want another simile yeah um lots of uh, again lots of good angel moments lots of wonderful I, I don't think we mentioned it but there's just this moment when Becker is in the cab talking to Rockford and he, they find out that this guy, this informant might be involved. Mm-hmm. And uh, Becker w- was like, you know, he's a cockroach. And then he pulls out this knit cap. Oh, and yeah. Puts, and it's just <laughs> like a little beanie. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's very good. <laughs> good stuff. Um, yeah. We never get that resolution on what, if anything, his like money, if there's anything more to his money issues. Yeah. it's. Probably the underwater on the house and and uh, I mean we don't we don't talk about um, Scott right we don't, we don't uh, talk about Scott I don't know if Scott's in the picture at this point oh you mean like as a character right yeah because like, he definitely he's definitely would be alive definitely, at this time yeah he's definitely referenced in season four mm-hmm. so yeah I don't know I don't know when when canonically Scott first first appears but yeah it is a little odd that he's not around for any of the birthday party things so yeah maybe he's staying with family yeah (laughs) staying with family out of state um and great peggy stuff um there's a thing about her this this reminded me again this is uh, going back to another juanita bartlett but it reminded me of um the uh paper palace Mm -hmm. where she's hosting and rita's there and like like they have the bad neighbors yeah it's really uncomfortable and then once the bad neighbors leave Peggy's like, yeah, okay, we can just be normal now. <laughs> yeah, 
there's a thing i mean i've said i've kind of said this before but like you need this thing where you kind of have to show for instance if if peggy and dennis if their marriage works then we got to see why Mm -hmm. right um especially in rough moments like this and dennis does not seem like an easy guy to to be married yeah yeah Um, and so we get that, like she's, um, she doesn't take anything from him, uh, and, but is also like ready to, you know, understand the stresses of the situation and whatnot. Um, like, I don't want to paint her as just Dennis's wife, but that is literally her character in this. (laughs) Right, right. Yeah. We never get the Peggy spinoff where we get to see her like, I don't know, campaigning for, I don't know increased hours at the library or something right like, i'm just i feel like there would be some like hyper local social cause that she would yeah. be really dedicated to <laughs> she's just a, a good uh i i just really believe the relationship that they've set up she there. feels real yeah 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 and, and it, it would be real easy to go the lazy route and not have uh her feel real yeah uh but then again uh that's what juanita bartlett can do she, yeah she no. writes some very real characters and mm-hmm. Yeah, we even get it. This is a really, really good, like, all the side characters have yeah. some personality. We get a sense of who what their deal is without having to spend a lot of dialogue on it. The internal affairs guy, Dolan, mm-hmm. like, it's, yeah, it's, it's all good stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. I don't know if this is particularly high on, on the list or whatever. I'm not really thinking about that at the moment. But uh, in terms of, I'd like to watch a Rockford Files episode, and I don't really have one in mind. And I don't really remember what this one is about. This is a one that's worth being like, yeah, just watch this one. It'll be good. It'll give you what you came to the show for. Yeah, exactly. It's a solid meal. Solid meal. Plenty of pastrami. And they don't, they don't, uh, overcharge you on the provolone. Nope. Sure. Don't. What more can an angel ask for? (laughs) Um, thank you as always for joining us. Uh, hope you enjoyed our conversation here and we will be back next time to talk about another episode. Of the Rockford Files. We should record an entire album.